Welcome to the ramblings of Beef and Slim, your weekly companion to help you unpack the Catholic Mass readings and discuss how the Word helps you know your God. All music on this podcast is written and played by Mikey Needham. Mikey is a diehard supporter of Ramblings and the Catholic Church. If you are interested in having him play at your parish or church, go to mmbank.com. Welcome to another podcast of the Ramblings of Beef and Slim. My name is Slim, also known as Kyle Cuckleman. And I am joined in person for the first time ever. All three of us are in person with Beef. I'm Father Adam, a.k.a. Beef. And? And. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was an awesome transition. Mr. <laughs> Kevin Bailey, how's it going? And actually, this isn't the first time we've recorded together. This will just be the first time we actually publish it in Oh, yeah, person. that's because of the last time we did it all three together. I think Kyle broke the internet. No, we just were awful. We were the very we were first awful. one oh, we the did. One was that awful. was you're right. That was the one that the something in the Wi-Fi was going bad because your homily wouldn't post either, right? Yeah, because you couldn't get anything yeah, up. Yeah, get anything to post. Oh, fancy ladies. So yeah, and this one's coming uh, just right on the tail end of Sunday or tail beginnings of Sunday. Uh, well, it's still Saturday, and we have to make this awesome because yeah. I have no homily. I've got one word I want to talk about, and that's steward. <laughs> But I want to be that priest that's only been there for two months and, and already, already complaining. Stuart. Um, so this one is being recorded on Saturday morning. It's going to be posted on Saturday morning so that you can listen to it on Saturday morning. How about that? <laughs> I bet you we get four listens. Four. I wish we had like a way to email bomb everyone and say, hey, we're here, please. Please We're sorry about last week and this week taking so yeah, long. Yeah, so if you if you do join us on a re- weekly basis, sorry about last week. We had some really bad audio issues because I'm I was confused by everything in life, and we had an we had a special guest in in studio with us, and then Father Adam was on the iPad, and I just couldn't get it all to work, and then the internet went down, so we lost Father halfway through. It was a mess. And who kept sending you text messages saying, "Is this really working?" Because I've got bad feeling about it. It, it was an angry elf. I, was, I, did not, I had my doubts. You were such an angry elf. <laughs> but now I'm going to be driving up and we're going to be recording a bunch of these at a time. Yeah, so if they sound like we're um, slowly draining of energy, it's because we're slowly draining of energy while we record all of them. But we're hoping. We've got some banter we're going to use. Yeah. We may uh, work in some guest speakers in the back half of the episodes to bring a new life yes. <laughs> into what's going on. That would actually be pretty good. We'll go idea. get some random parents from the volleyball yeah. thing parents, going on yeah. down the hall. Yeah, we got three <laughs> other priests on site that we could just go. I could go hey, bully them into we something. Need hey, Padre. We, uh, if you do hear any cheering, there is girls volleyball going on down the hallway. So that's where that's coming from. The cheering is shocking because they're like in third grade and I have not seen one of them get a serve across the net yet. And the one that does, she's already on varsity. Like, <laughs> they're already being recruited for varsity. Like, yeah, that's the girl we're going to pick. She's Team USA, <laughs> 2027. All right. Well, the readings this week come from us from the book of Amos, chapter 8, verses 4 through 7, 1 Timothy. Am I in the right readings? Yes. 1 yes. Timothy 2, 1 through 8, Luke 16, 1 through 13. So we're going to get right to it. And um, I was going to have Kevin. So I don't know anything about the book of Amos, like anything. I've never read it. I've only heard it in mass readings. Do you guys have any things? Yeah. So Amos uh, is a minor prophet. Now, that does not mean that we don't have to listen to him. How does he get named minor? 
Uh, it's actually as simple as you would think. The major prophets, we have a lot of written material from them, so they're the really long books. And the minor prophets, we don't have very much. I thought he was from just them. a short guy. My, no. no, my favorite thing to talk about in RCA is how little effort we put into names. <laughs> like almost all of our church documents are the first two or three words in Latin. And who's a minor prophet? The short books. <laughs> we keep it simple. Someone was, because they are new, they're not baptized. This last week they asked, is the Old Testament first or the New Testament? I said, we do it as simply as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Old is in the beginning. But that would be a legitimate question. Yeah, you know, a, it seems it, like, what are you Because doing? you would think an institution that's been around for 2,000 years would be a little bit more <laughs> robust. We keep it simple. Uh, awesome. Yeah, so Amos, he was from the southern kingdom, but he was preaching to the northern kingdom. Because that literally means nothing to me. Israel split after uh, Solomon's reign. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, after was, Solomon's reign. Solomon's the guy who got his hair cut and all his strength went away? No, that Man. was Samson. <laughs> Kyle even knows that. He's just being annoying right now. You should see the look <laughs> on his face. <laughs> oh, that rascal. It feels so good to be in person. I know. I could never tell that on the iPad. No, because there'd be such a delay by the time you said it. would be like, what is he talking about? (laughs) Why is my wife going to school today? I don't know. Why are we at work today? That's another (laughs) Tell us about Amos. Yeah, let's go back to I'm trying. It's so hard. I know. Uh, I mean, this is the social justice prophet. We're going to call him that. It's a big theme of social justice uh, in in his his book. In his book. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. he is very adamant that he was not a prophet, that he was not the son of a prophet, um, and that was to prove that he was a real prophet. Um, you know, we have the prophets in the Bible, and we're like, well, only, obviously, there are only these prophets, but in reality, there were tons of people running around calling themselves prophets, uh, and many of them false prophets, uh, because they would go and just tell the king or the people whatever they wanted to hear, so they'd be in their mm. good graces and stuff like that. Uh, and then we see the ones who actually come and say, okay, here's what God's actually saying. Um, and in some of the stories, not particularly in the book of Amos, but in some of the other prophets, we see uh, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, them going head to head with other prophets. Um, and so Amos tries to make it clear, hey, I was a sheep herder. I was a farmer. Uh, I did not want to be a prophet. I did not come from a line of prophets. Um, but you need to listen up because mm. you guys have been happy. Life's been good and it's about to suck. Okay. Is that where... Okay, so let's get into this reading then. How about we do that? Awesome. So this first reading, does anybody have any notes that they would like to jump in on? Father Adam, I'm looking at you, really, because you're the smart one here. Uh, That's not necessarily true. Um, So this is towards the end of the book. Um, This is nine chapters long. This is under the symbolic visions, um, which is why he's talking about when will the new moon be over. So he's talking about... um, Symbolic imagery, so things aren't necessarily supposed to be literal. You look at it and you try to understand um, what's going on. And in this, well, no, I take that back. Part of this, the new moon has got to do with when they can sell stuff, which is what we have in the reading. So the focus of the people here is when they are able to um, make money. So their focus is like, when can we put this stuff behind us? When is the Sabbath going to be over? When can I sell these things and make money? And their focus is purely on the things of this world. So the imagery is going to be more around it. They're going to be tied it in. I was thinking of a different passage that I read around this reading. Um, <clears throat> and so we see that their focus, and it's going to be tied into the gospel, as it always is, of where our heart is, there our attitude is going to be. And um, we're going to see that with the dishonest steward today, of where his attitude is and how... Um, 
the Father's mercy flows into that and as a result of that. Um, but it even says, you know, and we want to fix our scales for cheating. And so he's really calling the people on their hypocrisy and everything that Kevin was talking about. It's not good stuff. Okay, so when you guys read this, what's like the one word that jumps out at you guys? Because I've got one that I really, really like. You, uh, you should start while we reread okay, it. Okay, so we'll buy the lowly for silver. No, I said one word, you jerk. Uh, it's it's just, a long word. <laughs> just well, <laughs> it's, it's in French. German. You put it in German, it can all be one word. <laughs> I just keep making it. Loosely translates anyway, to buy I like the, the complacent. I like woe to the complacent in Zion. And I just, especially when we talk about these social justice things, uh, I feel like, am I on the right one? Please say I'm on the right one. Yeah, I'm no. to- what? See Zion. I'm on the wrong one. Dang it. You did it again. I dunned it. I we're, gunned it. We're five minutes into this you marathon recording, and you're already blowing it. No one knows that I did this last week three times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you were talking about fixing the scales. Like, I think that was next week. <laughs> Got all confused. <laughs> oh uh, man. Okay, now I don't have my one word. So I'm gonna go with. It's Maybe. not a word in the first reading, but it's the tone. Okay. I think sometimes we miss the tone of the author here. Uh, Mad. Yeah, he's Mad. Like, he's thundering at them, just like, "Hear this, you needy, who destroy the needy." He's there. He's not yelling at the needy. He's yelling at the people who destroy the needy. Just like reaming them hard, and you know. I I love it when when people get in trouble and I just get to be like ah because you know I got a lot of built up frustration. You got two kids, yeah, and you know it feels good to just get it and just say lay it down on them and say you you knuckleheads. You know I've always wanted a priest to do that from the from the ambo like during his homily, and I wish we had like I was friends with a priest that could like really do that. But he, you know most priests are so you know like just girly and can't lift weights that they just don't do that your pastor would not appreciate you saying that on the public radio <laughs> i'm just making fun of you <laughs> i love when a priest gets all like it's really just emotional when a priest has emotion in their homily and it's all rowdy i don't love it you know i think we're probably in the minority but i feel like people long for that i feel like they long for the priest to just be like to, to make it clear and yeah. to throw down and to set some standards. You know, I feel like sometimes uh, we make it so easy that that's why people don't want to be involved. Because they're used to being challenged and pushed in their working life and their professional yeah. life and everything like that. And when we make it just like, oh, yeah. you can do it. Then they're like, okay, fine. Then I'm not going to put forth any effort. But you're like, no, you're going to hell. My brother, so my brother's 28. Yeah, 28. You met him at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and he left the church in college sometime like most you know, like if you're going to leave the church, usually it's high school or college. And Joe definitely did in, in college. But one of the things that he started to come back to the Christian faith because he's doing a lot of more reading on his own rather than just being instructed through, you know, like grade school and high school. And one of the things he's learning on his own is how big of a, like, discredit we teach the faith. We teach this very lovey-dovey faith when in reality we need, okay, here's black, here's white. You believe it or you don't mm-hmm. believe it. Like these are the only options. Yeah, and I'm sure... If you preach the black and white, and you're very, very clear about the black and white, you're going to get a lot of angry people at you. You get a lot of big open eyes. Well, we had that a couple weeks ago, and it was actually my second, third, fourth week down at the new parishes, and it was, um, the road is narrow, Mm. and I forget the rest of the context of that specific time. Camel. Yeah, it may have been the camel in the eye. I was starting to think if it was a camel through the eye of a needle one. Um, I I don't remember if it was or not, but I definitely said 
you can't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to fill out a parish, you don't want to be the jerk right away. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was very bold. It was, you, you can't take this for granted. Yeah. Jesus is saying, walking through the motions, coming to mass every Sunday is not going to save you. He's talking to people who were hanging out with him for years and they were going to go to hell Yeah, because that's not enough. Jesus is like, I don't know who you are just because you hung out with me isn't enough. And, and it's definitely an art of doing it. I definitely err on the side of mercy and this year of mercy, of putting See. it up there, but being blunt with it. Yeah. It's enough. And you always tell, you got to read your audience of, when their eyes start getting bigger, that's usually when I... You pull back or you well, go forward? I try to stay there. Okay. I try to okay. go into coast. Because I'm like, if I'm getting their attention, I don't want to push yeah. them to the point of upsetting them. But they're obviously at a place where See, they're... See, in, in youth ministry, I don't do that. When their eyes get bigger, I'm like, full throttle! So, and it depends <laughs> on sometimes. Sometimes you do continue to push. I just mean I'm a jerk. That's well, that's mean. a given. <laughs> Kevin, what do you got? Well, I was going to say that you know we're, we're giving Father Adam a hard time and some other the priests with a hard time, but I think this is a, a challenge a lot of people face in their working world. Like, you know, how do we bring this stuff up? How do we push? How do we challenge people without pissing them off? Like, I can't even, you know, we're so blessed to work at a Catholic church in so many on so many levels, but, you know, all those people who are out there uh, in some of those more professional jobs uh, where it's not, you can't just talk about your faith without, yeah. you know, Getting reprimanded, getting mm-hmm. fired yeah. potentially, um, or just making the wrong person upset. Yeah, like, and this, this, yeah. I just think like our high school kids that are authentically Christian and then like and live it out and talk about it. Like, how many people have they just they don't talk to anymore because they're living out their faith and yeah. Or they yeah. don't talk because they're scared of offending. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a brutal culture we're living in because you know we can't uh, everyone's so afraid of offending everyone and mm-hmm. wants to make everyone happy and it's just uh, man that gray stuff. Satan Satan lives in the gray. Yes, and on the basement couch watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. So as you were talking about that with the work, <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Um, but he's not watching the American Bible Challenge, that's for sure. He's definitely not <laughs> watching that. <laughs> All right, what were you talking about, Father? Oh, the need for the workplace of just letting people know that you're Christian, because it is cool when you hear those stories of someone comes up to someone on a break or over lunch, and they say, hey, you wear a cross, mm-hmm. or you get a crucifix, or you Christian, and those things that come up there. And it, I don't know why it went back to my mind of the early church of when it was illegal to be a Christian, that they used to someone you know walk up to somebody and make half of the fish with yeah. their toe or a stick or something. The other person would finish it, and that was their way of saying, "I'm not going to murder you for being a Christian." Yeah, and can we talk about this stuff? And that we almost have to do it. It's not the same way, but just those small little ways of letting people know that we're a Christian. Like by wearing the crucifix, that's half. That's your half of the fish. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what he's what Father's referring to, like in the olden church, they. You'd walk up to somebody, and in the sand in front of you, with your foot, you'd just draw like half a, what is it, ichthus. Yes. Ichthus. And then the other person had to finish the ichthus, Mm -hmm. or didn't, and then you knew, okay, I better not talk about this whole Jesus guy. Yeah. You can see him commonly on the backs of cars. Yes. Sometimes jerks will have them with little feet with the word evolution written in there, because they think that they're proving a point. Wait, the church doesn't allow us to have evolution? No. No. Of course you can. That's a topic for another day. Yeah. That definitely is. A, we should have that as a topic for another day. Just science and Jesus. A special. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. That's ESPN. That's ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to First Timothy. <laughs> I don't I have no idea how most of that related to the first or anyway. I guess that's what we call this ramblings and not logical yeah. thinking. Because <laughs> that way we could do whatever we want. <laughs> All right. Uh, second reading. Kev, you have a note in here about IHOPs. 
Yes. And I was wondering how pancakes involved. I didn't get breakfast, and I want some pancakes. Oh, my gosh. I I love breakfast, and I love pancakes. Biscuits and gravy is my all-time favorite breakfast With a bunch of scrambled eggs Mm. in the midst of it. That is really good, too. And some bacon. Oh, gosh. That was was my breakfast or birthday breakfast. Big old thing about or biscuits and gravy with a lot of scrambled eggs and bacon. Good story, bro. Who is it over uh, that? Who's the best breakfast place? La Peep. La Peep. They have a... Chicken fried steak with biscuits and gravy. Oh. So you're just asking to die, but it's a happy death. <laughs> it is a happy, happy death. You will die with a smile, sir. A gas problem and a smile. All right, what do you got? IHOP. Sir. Yeah, so IHOP, International House of Prayer. It's one of the places in Shucks. Kansas City. I know, I know. Everyone's disappointed. Uh, so I went to go visit uh, their 24-7 prayer place the other day for the first time. Actually, I've been living... Uh, right down the street from them, and I just wanted to go see kind of what they were doing, what what they were putting out. Uh, give a little backstory to what IHOP is. So they have been doing perpetual prayer uh, since 1999. They think that they're pioneers. I, I I don't really want to tell them that the Catholic Church has been doing it for forever. Um, but even their founder acknowledges that like the Catholic Church has been doing. He, perpetual he stole prayer. this. Yeah, he stole this from us. Yeah. Um, and so basically, they have just 24 seven worship music going on uh, at this building that they built. Um, you would hate it so much That's out in Kansas City. Not my thing. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I'm walking in there to see, like, okay, I'm gonna hear like, you know, like Bethel or Hillsong or something like really rocking yeah. going on in there. And I walk in there, uh, and I was like, oh, there's actual a schedule the way they do this. Um, and this was the intercessory time. Oh yeah, I've been there during that time, which is super weird. So there's yeah. a lady up there with a microphone interceding for the Caribbean, and I'm just like listening for 20 minutes while this lady just like talks about the Caribbean and raise up people for the Caribbean, and the musician starts singing about the Caribbean, and I'm just like, what is going on right now? Um, but they're like all about like interceding for people all over the world. Wait, can I tell you my? So I went. Yeah. I took my summer missionaries down there one time, and it was interceding for the Jewish people, mm-hmm. and it was awesome but they so one cool thing that they do i don't know if you were there long enough they let like anyone is allowed to come up and enter do in a search i mean they have like a they have a person to check to make sure it's not you know they're yeah that this person knows what they're doing a little bit but like anyone can go up there and start praying and pray through whatever bible verse they've been reading on it's really crazy yeah it's super neat and so i was just impressed by like so they have no they have two hours of intercessory prayer and then two hours of worshiping with the word so they'll Mm -hmm. grab a psalm or something like that and they'll just pray through that for two hours and so they're constant like every every two hours they're starting a whole new session of intercessory prayer um but when you walk in the door and this is something i'm totally bringing back here um, they have a stack of sheets of paper where in an email address where you can email prayer requests and they ask everyone who comes in to pick up a sheet of paper and to pray for that intention for a week and then they can throw it away or they can mm. keep it and get a new one. Um, these are people that, you know, maybe come to IHOP regularly, maybe don't even live in Kansas city, yeah. but they can email this and say, Hey, uh, I've got a friend who's struggling with infertility. Hey, I'm pregnant. Hey, I'm suffering from mm. addiction. Hey, mm-hmm. I've got a, I'm just having a hard week. Yeah. And know that people are picking this up, and taking it, and sitting it. down and praying with them. And I'm like, wow, you want to talk about cool. creating a community. That is epic. Okay, how does that tie into First Timothy, though? Uh, the first line. First of all, I ask that all supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be offered for everyone. Mm-hmm. And he and they, they're like making sure that everyone has an opportunity to intercede uh, for one another, uh, that everyone would know that they're being prayed for, that people all over the world, even in the Caribbean, um, that we're pouring out prayers into their life and into their world that the that the Lord would raise up um, His kingdom here and now, and I just yeah, like this cool. is cool. This that's is cool. super cool. Father, what do you got on this one? No, it's awesome. He is t- 
talking to them. They're having trouble praying as a community for anybody who's not a Christian. And so that's a part of why he's exhorting them to pray for um, the rest of the world. And it's his way of saying our job is to continue the mission of Christ. And Christ told us very explicitly, I'm not here just for the good people. I'm not here just for the Jews. I'm here for the entire mm-hmm. world to fulfill um, the promise. And, of course, it depends on which gospel you're looking at. Sometimes Jesus is focusing on the Jews. And the implication is the way he words it is that you're going to have to go out after I'm gone to take care of the rest of the world. Um, and so everybody's also tying it in with the Jewish faith too. So it ties in with the, uh, um, oh man, I just blanked on the Hebrew word, but the thing where they just said that there's one God. And so he says, for there is one God. There's also one mediator between God and men. That man is Jesus, or Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. Mm-hmm. And again, the fact that he's offered his life for the sake of everybody. Now it's up to them to receive it, but we need to be praying that they're going to have the conversions to get themselves on track. And so very much he living out um, the life of Christ. And I had another thought that I said, oh, and we also see, and it's cool, um, part because I've been talking about this on RCI, but the early church, here's Paul wrestling with the Trinity in a sense. He's like, we've got one God, but we've also got Jesus, who's this one mediator, and he's one to sacrifice himself, and he's... Mm. Definitely saying it, but it's not the way that we would say it. He's in line with what we would teach, but you can get that sense, I think, of how he's wrestling he's with Trinitarian theology. Yeah. Yeah. On how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I really like the line, um, this is good and pleasing to God our Savior, who wills everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. And I think in our day and age, the one thing I read out of this is everything you guys said kind of, you know, not really because I don't understand a lot of what you guys say, but... Also, the idea of what truth is, like objective or relative truth. And I feel like a lot of times in our day and age, well, maybe not just our day and age, maybe it's just easier to see now. The idea of relativism is so prevalent in our culture that um, what one person's truth is different for another person and how dangerous that can be to the church and how that God wants us to have the full knowledge of truth or not, not full knowledge, come to the knowledge of truth. Mm-hmm. Like we can't know, can't we? Can't have full knowledge. We can't, but we can continue to move deeper into it. Yeah, yeah because the, the full knowledge of truth is full knowledge of God. And, and even even in even in death and heaven, we'll have we won't have full knowledge of God. No, some people posit that all heaven will be is an eternal falling deeper in love with God, and part of that falling in love with God more deeply is to better understand Him, His plan, and everything that He's done. Um, because God is eternal, mm-hmm. He's perfectly and eternally simple, but also perfectly and eternally complex, because he's God. He does both and at the same time. And so to take the rest of eternity, yeah. which will also be outside of time, because time will cease when yeah. Jesus comes back. So we don't know exactly what it'll be. So we're saying words about things we can't explain, but it could be just falling deeper in love with God, which means we could never we could fully never satisfy fully, that. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I just find that idea of truth so perplexing right now, especially in our day and age of this being true for one and this being true for the other. I think it's fascinating. You know, we, uh, at our kickoff on Sunday, we did, we also did a discussion between like, why are we here? And we were Mm -hmm. talking about Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. And I was talking to this small group of girls about, you know, like how do they, how they walk up to people and why it's so hard to talk about religion and stuff like that. Um, And they were going into some of those earlier ideas about, you know, just being afraid of people judging them and everything like that. But they're also kind of like, you know, ultimately it's, you know, you do you mm. like whatever, whatever goes on, whatever happens, uh, your decisions are yours. And I'm not going to tell you you're doing wrong and I'm not going to argue with you or fight with you. Um, and 
that's like such a misunderstanding of, of what's going on. Yeah. And uh, missing that, hey, no, God desires everyone. Like there's no you do you because then you're, it's so individualistic and you're not, you know, not connecting to other people. Well, and so I think, I don't know if this is true for adults, but I know with our, our youth, they're afraid of offending someone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're afraid of making someone upset. Okay. We're or afraid of not understanding, like with this gospel, which no one can understand. Nice transition. Boom. Beautiful. This is the hardest gospel I've ever, uh, like this one, and then there's one other one that I always struggle with, but this one I struggle with to well, if understand. you want to see how theologians still discuss and debate things and don't always agree, go look up a bunch of commentaries on this gospel. Yes. It's, I mean, it's all over the place. It's one of the most difficult ones. I finally heard uh, recently what I think is a somewhat satisfactory approach to it. All right, well, then start it. Okay, so let's give a story. So this is the gospel of the steward. The, like, yeah, the dishonest the, the, steward. Dishonest, dishonest steward. steward, thank you, sorry. And so he is getting fired because he wasted away stuff. His, he was his squandering his property. Yeah, and so before he's fired, he goes out to the people who owe his master money and and like halves the Their amount debt. of money. Their debt. To get in good with them. Yeah, so that he has a place to stay once he's fired. And then the the master says, Good job, bro. And that's the end. Yeah. And then he and then Jesus somehow ties it into you can't serve Yeah, it's ridiculous. God. I don't get it's it. It's nuts. So I'm so confused. I'm trying that. to regurgitate Teach here me. um what I heard from somebody else. So it's okay. going to be sloppy. I haven't, I haven't said this out loud yet, so it'll okay. be the first time. So, good luck. so it's going to be bad. Um, the first thing we have to do, homily. it might be. Um, and that's part of why I don't have a homily yet is because this thing is so slippery. So first of all, we have to remember that it comes on the dovetail of last week. This immediately picks up of um, the last coin, the last sheep, mm-hmm. and the prodigal son. And so it's very much in that vein. And we have to remember, especially on this reading, that... The divisions that are put in there, the chapter and verse, are completely man-made. They are not a part of divine revelation. And so the people who did this in the Middle Ages, the monks, did the best they could. But Mm -hmm. we have to also remember it's a part of a longer work that's given to us. And so I want to say, first, look at um, where it ends. He says, if you are trustworthy with what... um, Where's the big one? Small one. If you're trustworthy... If therefore you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? Yep, and then also the person who's trustworthy in very small matters mm-hmm. is also trustworthy in great ones. So that comparison. So we see in both the steward as well as the master, both these things blend out. And that's what I'm going to try to get to explaining well. And first of all, a steward is entrusted with the wealth or the possessions of someone who's greater. And his sole purpose is to do what the master would want them to do with it. And so it's not his own money to do stuff with, but he needs to do solely what the master wants him to do. And so he needs to enter into his mind and he's been squandering his property with whatever that means, whether it's cheating people, whether it's giving stuff away, whatever. He's obviously a dishonest man. As a result of that. With, with the bigness, with the big picture. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. And so as a result of that, the, the master is going to fire him. And we see, I guess, and this is the thing that's proposed because I just heard it recently, I wasn't able to verify it, uh, but it would make sense that he could punish him, kind of like Joseph and Mary. Joseph was going to divorce Mary quietly when he mm. found out she was pregnant. It was a more noble thing to do, and this guy could have him thrown in jail. He could beat him. He could flog him. But this was the noble thing to do. But he's just going to let him go yeah. and say, I can't trust you with this, so I'm going to show you mercy. And that's the key that's the hinge, is this is a merciful act compared to what he could do. 
And so then this guy is like, I can't beg. And I guess if you look at the original language, it's because he's healthy. So you got, uh, so it's when he says I'm too proud and I forget what translation is. Yeah. I'm, Either way, I can't beg. Yeah. Part of it's because he knows nobody will give him money because he has all of his limbs and they work well. Um, I'm not strong enough to dig. And, you, yeah, and I'm ashamed to beg. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can't beg. So he can't beg. And then so he goes and talks to these people. And it's not just, I'm going to cut your debt in half. I guess the understood thing was, I'm going to cut it in half and I get half of that. Okay. So I get 25%, you get 25%, he gets 50 And so they're embezzling together. So they've got this sort of trady, shady deal going on there. Um, and so he knows that these people aren't going to turn him over. Right. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that. But so he's starting to cover his butt and he's which is causing even more trouble. And so then the master comes back and he sees this dishonesty. And just as the guy goes from bad to worse in his dealings with people, the master goes from somewhat merciful to even more merciful. So as this matter gets bigger, his mercy flows even more. And so when he welcomes him back in, it's an overabundance of the father's mercy to this sinner, to put it in the translation yeah. of what we would do for ourselves it's an expression of mercy on a much deeper level. And so because he was merciful in a small matter, he's going to be even more merciful in a big matter. So this story is not so much about the steward as it is the master. Kind of like the prodigal son. It's more about the father than it is the son. Okay, so I heard a different explanation of this. And, and yeah, I've heard a million of them. But yeah. that one I like that one more, though. I like that one a lot. I, I still like the one from Augustine as well. Um, Talk about it. So he Please. just says that, that super. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> he just says that you know we're accustomed to see, seeing people make unbelievable sacrifices to improve their lifestyle, um, and so the Lord sets up this example of this guy just going above and beyond to make sure that he's taken care of and how he's a you know a dishonest person, uh, and that in this world people will do whatever necessary to survive in this world, but are we willing to do whatever is necessary to survive in the next world? And so he's setting up that example for the Christians of his, his day and age to say, like, you guys are all so consumed with this world, as we even saw in, in the story of Amos. They're so consumed with this mm-hmm. world, but they're not thinking about the next world. Which would um, then point more to the, you can't serve two masters. Yeah. But then the, but then the, stu- or the master... He was not so much worried about his wealth as he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so he was worried were, about the, the mercy for the, the, the world yeah. to come. Yeah, and, and that's I, the cool thing about parables is you can look at these from a million different angles. But some of these parables are so easy. Yeah, they're like, they're much more cut and dry. Yeah, but this one though, if scholars are still, a, it's two thousand years and we still. <laughs> it's not like there's a general consensus. Like prodigal son, there's a general the general ideas yeah. and they flow off of. But this one is all over. Yeah, and that's a part of the beauty. But also. I had another thought, and this was one that I came up with, though, is if the steward is supposed to do what the master wants, and in a sense, even though it's dirty through the embezzlement, there's still an act of mercy there. I'm going to forgive part of this person's debt, and so it's almost as if he's doing an act of mercy on behalf of the master, and therefore the master rewards him for sharing in that aspect of him. Does that make sense? Oh, so it's a little bit sloppy. Shady. It's an It's I guess you'd say imperfect act of charity. So kind of like, I'm going to help this person out because I need my help, but it's going to make me look good. So it's like doing community service hours for the check mark rather than... Or even to get the praise. Oh, yeah. Or the, the, yeah. the plum. Yeah. That's still a very you shady thought. For... Yeah. You can go, oh, geez. Okay. So uh, I, I got to share this because I think it's fascinating. The, the Serving two masters. So did you see that little link I posted in the doc, the, the show notes? So... I heard this on a video that we use with eighth graders 
But um, he said, what, what's that guy's name? Chris Stefanik. Stefanik says that the word priorities did not exist until the 1940s. Up until the 1940s, like it was just priority. Like, what's your priority, not your priorities? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I verified it on Google because Google can do anything. <laughs> but I think that's super uh, fascinating to think that the more culture, like, what's the word I'm looking for? The bigger stuff gets, the more stuff that is in our culture, the harder it is to name what our priority is. And that's that points to the serving of two masters. It's like that idea of multitasking. Everyone thinks it's possible, but like literally science says, no, your brain can only focus on one task. You mm-hmm. maybe will switch between tasks quickly, but you can't actually multitask. Okay, but wait, have you read the book on John Paul II by Jason Everett? He might be the one that disproves. I was going to say. <laughs> but the way give that credit to supernatural gifts. Because yeah, <laughs> John Paul II would have... Would have, have headphones in, listening to a book, and be reading another book. And, and some- someone te- telling him, like teaching him a new language. Mm-hmm. So he'd be reading a book, listening to a book, and learning a new language by someone talking to him. And he would comprehend it all. That's supernatural. So I think that yeah. with that no multitasking is for like 99.99% of the population. And then there's some... And then divine will comes in. Then <laughs> <laughs> there's some... Crazy people out yeah. there. I almost said freaks, but that's too negative. Okay, what do we need to take away from on the gospel? And then we got to end this podcast because we're running out of time. Do your job and be merciful and give your church money because it talks about stewards. Yeah, I want money. <laughs> money, please. Have foresight. Just be thinking about your future. Be thinking about your death. Death. It sounds like super depressing, but like it's good to reflect on our death and where we're going. Have we talked about that in the podcast? Because I love my death. little thing. Yeah. No? We should talk about it no. next week. We should. Is it, we're running out of time. We can talk about it. We'll go for days on that. We'll, uh, but death, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. If you're coming face-to-face with God, if you're prepared well, there should be an element of you, even though there might still be some fear and worry. Paul talks about it. There is an excitement. Yeah, Paul says, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready, but I know that my job is not done. Yeah. My wife, on a regular basis, whenever she encounters mean people, she goes, I just, I'm ready to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had an eight, we were talking about this with our eighth graders and for confirmation prep, and I had one kid look at me dead in the eye, and it was the most perfect moment ever, and he goes, I mean, I get what you're saying, but why would I be excited to meet someone I don't know? And I think that's why people are scared of death, because they exactly. don't know who they're going to meet. Yeah. Oh, man. And that's, I've given multiple homilies on that, because you have to, that's our relation, our religion is not one of a book or of rules, despite the fact we have lots of both. Yep. It is at its heart a, a relationship. Yep. Yeah. It's an encounter with the living God, and all of our books and rules flow from that. Oh. Okay, so, dang it. Okay, so I'm reading this book by <laughs> Matt Chandler. He's this really, really good Protestant um, preacher, but he was talking about the Bible. Shut up, Kevin. <laughs> but he was talking about the Bible and how the Bible is not so much a story about us, but it's a story about God, and that if you read the Bible, you start to know God's heart more and more and more. Not You don't know more about yourself. I mean, if you... you Know more about yourself through knowing God Mm -hmm. and how the more you read scripture, the more you understand God, which is knowing the person of God, not the rules of God, but the person of God. Yeah. Okay. We got to go. Yeah. We could have gone on forever on that. We might pick it up in the next podcast. There might be a theme because we're going to record in 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back. Uh, Make sure you send us your questions at contactramblings at popolatha.org or at 785-672-9478. See ya. Peace. God bless. Support
Music for this podcast and the following message come from Very Good Web Solutions with their innovative design and top-tier customer service. Very Good is leading the charge on website design. Go to verygoodwebsolutions.com today to see their prices and products.